Hello, and welcome to this seance of sound that we call Scry. And who am I, you may ask? I am the Seer, your host and guide into this voyage into the realms of darkness and shadow. Speaking of shadows, each segment in this week's episode features music by the incredibly talented Shadow Vibe. In this episode, we are going to be looking at three true tales of terror from beyond the veil that separates our reality from those of darkness. In our first tale, Dark Phoenix 13 details the accounts and activities that occurred at his sister's home. But let's begin by letting him tell his story in his own words. A couple of years ago, the house my sister was living in became something of a problem. They would hear footsteps from the floor above when they knew there was no one up there. They would see shadowy forms out of the corner of their eyes, and they would constantly have the strong feeling of dread, no matter what room of the house they were in. This creepy feeling actually increased over time as the happenings became much more frequent and much more ominous. Ghostly knockings and voices became the norm. Literally, it was a daily occurrence. The shadows became more defined and would literally sit in dark corners and watch a room's occupants for extended periods of time. They began to avoid parts of the house or activity seemed to pick up in intensity when they were in it. Then there were two very strange and terrifying occurrences that really shook us up. The first happened to my brother one night when he went to stay. He decided to sleep on their couch instead of a guest room, since the living room had become something of a hot spot in recent times. He awoke suddenly in the middle of the night and became aware of a black figure in the room that was darker than the night around it. It paced the room soundlessly for a short period of time. Then it seemed to crawl up a wall and melt into the ceiling above. The area when he examined it in the morning was approximately where our sister's room was one floor above. The second happened a few weeks later. My sister was asleep in her bed when she felt the mattress shift and sink, as if someone had sat down beside her. She sat up and began to say the Lord's Prayer, while she reached for a small bottle of holy water that she had purchased. She daubed the four corners of the bed and commanded the spirit to leave her in peace. What happened next terrified her so much, she called both my brother and I in the middle of the night. As she commanded the spirit to depart, she suddenly heard a growl that chilled her blood. Then, the bed began to shake violently while the growling continued. This lasted for about 30 seconds, then ended abruptly. At this point, she turned on the lights called us frantically, and dressed to leave immediately. 
She made arrangements to have the house blessed. But it turns out that such things sometimes have to be scheduled several weeks in advance, much to my surprise. During the waiting period, a local ghost hunting group heard about the house and asked to do an investigation. Seeing as how she didn't have any other means of addressing the problem, she agreed. The group did a six-hour walkthrough investigation, followed by another six where the recorders and cameras were left to run in the empty house. While they caught nothing on video and still cameras, the audio was described to me as one of the most chilling 12 hours of audio they'd ever experienced. They tallied no fewer than five different voices speaking during the entire length, the majority being female. There were a lot of unknown noises that they could not figure out a source for, mainly in the vein of things being moved or bangs and crashes. The final voice was what they pegged as male, but even the lead investigator said he had never heard such a deep and terrifying male voice. While some of the female voices could be understood, the male voice was unintelligible and consisted of raspy words and growls. The final nail in the proverbial coffin on the audio occurred during the part when no one was in the house. At some time around 4 in the morning, madness seemed to have broken out in the place. For a stretch of about 10 minutes, two separate audio recorders captured what I will describe as a temper tantrum. The stretch began with the voices talking to each other in an agitated state. Then you hear loud footsteps going up the stairs, followed by a series of booms and crashes as if someone was taking the house apart looking for something. Then it goes quiet for a minute. The female voices begin to murmur to each other. Suddenly, there's a large explosion of sound, as whatever went up the stairs comes back down even louder than before. The female voices totally cease, and a very distinct growling can be heard. Then, there is a very loud crash, which seemed to have been the table where the recorder was placed, since you can hear the recorder bouncing on the wood. Then the sequence ends, with the basement door being opened violently, and what sounds like something scuttling down the stairs. Not human footsteps, but something going on more than two legs. Then everything stopped, and the house is silent until the team returned and turned off the equipment. Needless to say, my sister went to her church and told them about this. The house blessing or cleansing was done within days. Long story short, they had to do it twice, as the priest said he felt the presence fighting back as he was blessing the house during round one. The second time seemed effective, and the house was quiet for a couple of months. Then the process began again. This time, my sister opted to move out 
instead of going through the whole thing again. She also suspected that her roommate might have been dabbling in something dark and might have actively been calling it back. Dark Phoenix 13, thank you for sharing your story with the world. I am relieved that your sister has moved from that location, and hopefully her former roommate has finally learned to stop calling forth dark entities. In our next tale, Just My Luck describes his encounters with a woman that he shares a trailer with, and learns that trailers out in the woods, away from civilization, are not safe from spectral encounters. This happened to me back in 1979, when I was living in a small trailer in Aiden, North Carolina, just outside Greenville. I was living by myself at first, and about two weeks after I moved in, weird things started to happen. The first thing that happened was, a friend followed me home one night after I was having car trouble to make sure that I made it home. As we pulled down the long gravel road that led to my trailer, we noticed all the lights were on in the trailer and the front door was standing wide open. She made the comment, Do you always go to work in the mornings, leave your lights on and your door standing wide open? I of course said no and we went inside to check it out. Nothing was missing and everything was as it was when I went to work that morning. About a week later, I was laying in bed one night, and the whole trailer started to shake violently. I grabbed a billy stick that lay next to my bed, and when my feet hit the floor, the trailer stopped shaking. As I slowly made my way down the hall, turning on lights as I went, I froze when I turned on the living room light and looked across into the kitchen. There. Laying on the kitchen floor was a smoke detector. There were no markings on the ceiling where it came from, and I didn't remember ever seeing a smoke detector in there before. You'll know the reason for the smoke detector by the end of my story. About a month later, I was out late one night, and on my way home, I stopped by a 7-Eleven. I picked stuff up to make a sandwich along with a six-pack of canned Cokes. Remember, this was 1979 when canned Cokes came in six-packs and 7-Eleven was on every corner. When I got home, I made a sandwich and pulled one Coke out of the six-pack. I ate all of my sandwich but had not quite finished my Coke. I took it to my bedroom, placed it on the nightstand, and went to bed. The next morning, I woke up, went to the kitchen, opened the refrigerator to get another Coke out, and noticed two Cokes missing out of the six-pack. I know I only drank one Coke the night before. 
As I was closing the refrigerator door, something caught my eye over in the living room. An empty Coke can was sitting on the end table next to the couch. The phone receiver had been taken off the hook and was sitting on top of the empty Coke can. I was there alone. I thought. The next day, I was talking to the neighbor and was asking her if strange things had ever happened around there. She asked why, and I proceeded to tell her the things that had been happening to me. When I finished telling her, she turned as white as a sheet. I asked her what was wrong, and she said, If I tell you, you will not set foot back in that trailer. I told her that I needed to know, and she reluctantly told me what had happened about five years earlier. She said, Not in this trailer, but on the same spot this trailer was sitting, a young lady had committed suicide by locking herself in her trailer and setting it on fire. She said her ghost was the one that brought me the smoke detector so I wouldn't get burned up. Her ghost was also the one causing all the other strange things that were happening around there. She then told me that the landlord was having a hard time keeping the place rented. People would move in and about a month later, move out with strange stories to tell. Well, I did go back inside, and about a week later, I had a roommate move in to help pay expenses. I told him the stories and what the neighbor had said. He was like everyone else and said it was all my imagination, until one night about a month later. That's when I saw her and made a believer out of him. My roommate, for some reason, would always fall asleep on the couch watching TV, not in the spare bedroom. One stormy night, I had gone to bed around 11.30. It was raining hard with lots of thunder and lightning. About 1.30 that morning, I was awakened when someone, or something, grabbed hold of my ankle. This is when I finally get to meet her. I now refer to her as the ghost in the green dress. She was leaning over me at the foot of my bed and she had placed her hand on my ankle. She had a pleasant smile on her face, had long dark hair, and was wearing a green dress. I tried to scream but was so terrified that nothing came out. We stared at each other for what seemed like a few minutes, but in reality, was only a few seconds. A bolt of lightning lit up the room. She was gone, and there was no more pressure on my ankle. I turned the nightstand light on, gathered my senses, and somehow managed to fall back off to sleep, leaving the light on, of course. The next morning, I got up, got dressed, and went into the living room. There on the couch was my roommate, with a quilt pulled up to his neck and his eyeballs as wide as silver dollars. I startled him when I walked into the room, and he sat straight up. 
He asked me if I got up last night and walked around. I told him no. I hadn't told him what had happened to me yet. He told me that someone, or something, was walking around in the trailer about 3.30 that morning. He said he heard footsteps coming from my bedroom. He thought I was up because he saw my light on. When he came down the hall to see if I was okay, he found me asleep. Now, in a single wide trailer, you can hear every single footstep someone makes. With that being said, my roommate went back and laid down on the couch. A few minutes later, he heard footsteps again. They came down the hall from my bedroom, walked into the living room where he was laying on the couch, walked between the couch and the coffee table within a foot of where he was laying, out into the kitchen and around the kitchen table. The footsteps then retraced their steps back into my bedroom. Needless to say, he had been awake all night. We moved out about a week later, and when I handed the landlord the keys, I asked him if what my neighbor said was true. He confirmed her stories, and he also confirmed that no smoke detector was ever put in that trailer. He said he was thinking about having a priest come out to bless the trailer and see if they could get the spirit to leave. This happened to me over 30 years ago, and I have never been back there. I only hope that this young lady was able to find peace with herself and cross over into the light. Thank you, Just My Luck. Your story is fascinating, and the specter that you encountered appears to have had no malicious intent. Thank you for sharing. When we come back from our break, we'll hear about an exorcism that took an unexpected turn for one participant. But first, a word from our sponsor. Prudence Entis shares our next story about her time at church, learning meditation, and attending a prayer meeting that goes in an unexpected direction. Here is her story. Okay, here are a few of my experiences from childhood until now. As a child, I grew up very religious, and we moved houses a lot as my dad was doing contract work and at the same time very family-orientated. So, whenever he had a new contract to do, we would move to wherever he was working, even if the contract was only for a few months. So, I lived in many houses and places as a kid. My first experience that I can recall happened when I was about nine years old, 
We moved into yet another new house, and shortly after moving in, it began. At night, I would see a dark shape materialize next to the wardrobe. The shape was in the form of a very tall, thin man, moving towards the wardrobe until it was in front of the door. The wardrobe door would then slowly open up, and then the dark-shaped man would then move toward the foot of my bed. I could not see any face or features. It was kind of like a fuzzy shape. This became a nightly occurrence, even with bedroom lights on. I was terrified, my screams waking my parents up nightly to the point that my dad called the pastor at 1am, begging him to come pray for me. The pastor told my dad to bring me to his house immediately, which my dad did. The pastor prayed for me, and after that, I never saw that particular dark-shaped man again. The following few years were rather uneventful, apart from catching a glimpse of shadow figures out of the corners of my eye now and then. When I was 17, I was still extremely religious, but read somewhere about meditation and yoga, so I thought I'd try my hand at this. But let me rewind a little bit first. When I was 15, we had to do a school project for biology. I chose to do a skeleton. I found a cat that got ran over by a car or something, laying dead next to the road. So I decided that I'm going to use it as my project. Yes, in retrospect, being a great animal lover, the fact that I skinned and deboned the cat was extremely disturbing and gross. Anyway, after getting the skeleton back from the school, I decided to keep the skull and buried the rest of the bones. From that day onwards, the skull was always on my bedside table, no matter where we lived. So, to come back to trying my hand at meditation. I started practicing meditation on the bus to and from school. I challenged myself to meditate despite noise around me, and once I managed to do it, I felt a great sense of accomplishment. In addition to the meditation sessions on the bus, every afternoon after school, I would lay on my bed and go into a meditative trance state. Anyway, one afternoon, after Bible studies at home, I was at that time a youth preacher in my church, I once again laid in my bed, getting ready to start meditating. I calmed my mind, shut off all noise, and stared at the ceiling. All of a sudden, a perfectly formed black drop, shaped like a teardrop or water drop, fell from the air and hit the center of my chest. My body felt paralyzed, but jolted as the drop hit me. It felt like it was penetrating right into my heart. Three drops fell, each time 
My body jolted as it hit my chest. After the third drop, I was no longer paralyzed. I was feeling dazed and looked down at my chest. No marks. Nothing. I was scared by it, but thought that maybe I had imagined it all. I soon put it at the back of my mind and didn't give it any thought again. Fast forward one year. A friend and I went to a big evangelistic church meeting. The main pastor and other pastors invited myself and my friend over for lunch after the church meeting, as they said they felt the need to pray for my friend. So, we stood in the lounge of the pastor's house. They are praying, and I assume gonna lay their hands on my friend to pray for her. All of a sudden, one pastor grabs my left arm, and another grabs my right arm and lifts it into the air. The main pastor then put his hand on my head and started praying for me. The shock, the anger, and the hatred I felt at that moment was unbelievable. The minute the pastor started praying, I literally lifted the two pastors who were holding my arms up in the air and flung them across the room. Remember, I am a very small and petite woman, and the most horrible, scary, demonic voice came out of me, denouncing God, shouting no, etc., etc. The pastors I flung across the room got up and restrained me once again, with the help of more people. Three different voices, three different demons, were removed from me that day. It was the most horrible, frightening experience of my life, especially since I did not know that I was possessed. That day, I also turned my back on formal religion because I felt that they should not have ambushed me like that. They should have told me that they were going to do an exorcism on me. I could also, for the life of me, not understand how I got possessed, since I was super religious and never did anything remotely related to the dark side. Finally, after a few months, it dawned on me. The skull next to my bed Meditation without asking for protection beforehand. I did not at that time realize you have to ask for protection. I was a novice, resulting in the three teardrops, which were the demons. Needless to say, I threw the skull away, and to this day, have never meditated ever again. Prudencentis, you and I have very different ideas of what meditation is apparently, but thankfully, you are now demon-free, and we thank you for sharing your experience. For our listeners, if you have an experience to share, then we ask that you please submit it at scrypod.com, scrypodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail 
at 573-203-8668 and share the scare with other listeners. I'd also like to announce that with the holiday season quickly approaching upon us, this show will be going to a bi-weekly release, bringing you a new episode every other week throughout the holiday season at least. But for now, it's time to close the gate and end this oral odyssey into the unknown. We thank the wonderfully talented Iran Horrors for our logo, and of course, Shadow Vibe for providing the music for each segment this week. You can check out more of his work at shadowvibe.com. Our podcast recommendation to tide you over until our next release is Coffin Cast, featuring dark, true tales that center around death. There are definitely some interesting stories there, so check out Coffin Cast. But for now, we must close the gate and end the session. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry. <laughs>